Hello, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the smoothest glass of cream liqueur by Amarula. We uh, hope, still hoping for that sponsorship. Uh, for your mind, that being two crickets and a thorn tree, I'm half of your hosts, Nogatus Larimer, joined as ever by the other half of your hosts, Gabriel Krauser. <laughs> well, it's been an interesting week, I think, in some ways. Um, yesterday, we went to uh, the funeral of a great and glorious colleague who had an amazing life um, and who will be sorely missed, who is already sorely missed, and that was John Ken Bergman. Uh, and it was, I, I thought it was a great service, um, and I'm, I'm sure you agree with me. It was uh, relatively short, but really punchy, really good, and um, some really nice singing and a good speech. Mm. Yeah, it was one tribute, Paul Ferreira, Paul Gabriel Ferreira, uh, Pereira, um, who had been at the Institute uh, with uh, John Kane Berman, under John Kane I think Berman. it was there from 91 to 97, something like that? Something like that. Maybe a little bit longer, yeah. but something like that. And... Um, but he, he, he knew, I mean, uh, he knew John very well, uh, even when yeah. he wasn't working at the Institute. I think they cooperated quite a lot on a lot of things. And I think he spoke beautifully uh it was he, he finished it was yeah i mean the service was very traditional um yes outside traditional of high anglican yeah it was all liturgies and hymns and prayers um but there really was no one was making anything up on the day right it was it was this is the way that it's done kind of stuff and yeah uh i think one of the one of the interesting points there was um that jkb used to go to church most sundays at 7 a.m um and i actually saw him once um, either before or after, either on his way to church or on his way from church, back when he used to have an office, I had a bender on the Saturday night, and so I hadn't quite made it home. Um, <laughs> so it's this man of God coming along, <laughs> just as, as you're coming back from your debaucherous sin. <laughs> I, was, I was like trundling. I managed to find my sunglasses. I was like walking home from this place where I hadn't really gone to sleep at all. <laughs> and uh, like hoping that my car was still parked at the institute's like garage, um, <laughs> and there was JKB pulling in to sort of collect the Sunday Times, and and I saw him there, and he he was you know he he was uh, good morning. He was so his <laughs> his spine was so stiff. Uh, his he was so erect and proper and yes. uh, fit and. Uh, and vivacious, you know. I don't know. He was. Uh, it was. He. He really seemed like a, much more alive than I felt uh, that at that time. And I think that his yes. passing sort of came quite quickly. And uh, mm. and one someone that knew knows knew him quite well sort of described his. Uh, you know, he went to hospital, and then a few weeks later, he died. The sort of intervening time, you know, things I think deteriorated very quickly, and he sort of described. JKB as, as as almost being imp in, irritated uh, <laughs> by how drawn out this process was. He was like, "This is not going well. Really, really, got better things to do than than drag out this painful thing. Just just get on with it." And uh, and there's something about um, about about being terse. I think JKB yes. was terse. Yes. Um, and even his death was somehow terse and proper yes. and final and 
this is the way it's and it's and it's and 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 it just turns out that if you if you live like that it doesn't reduce the amount of love uh and warmth and creativity uh in your vicinity mm. it it sort of augments it i mean there was that church was so full people were i was in the corner people were standing outside queuing down um because they because they've really had a warm attitude to this guy who had done so yeah. much good yeah and uh yeah i mean and the people who couldn't make it were very sad that they couldn't make it uh including a, a prince mongosutopo to lazy who, mm. who actually sent his apologies along formally um mm. i would have th thought that would have been quite because he's a you know whatever you may think of him he's an interesting character and i think he's an amazing dude but he's very old now he's like 94 so i'm not terribly surprised that he had some health issues which uh, got in the way of it um he's also uh, apparently diabetic and um according to someone told me that apparently he controls it entirely through diet he doesn't take insulin <laughs> which uh the zulu way yeah if you uh poor boy like apparently creating a menu for good lizzie is crazy because you have to like say okay 75 grams of this and 400 mm. grams of this and ooh. but anyway mm. uh yeah it was it was a great great service and it was also kind of it felt like the sort of you know liberal family was there um and a couple of people who i think clashed with with jkb over the years but still showed up the ones who i think have some honor and proper respect showed up to give his mm. give their condolences as well because they mm. recognized that you know uh this is a great man uh regardless of, of of what you may have thought of him he was he was definitely great and yeah mm. we'll we shall miss him very much so i actually wish i knew him better um i didn't take advantage of my opportunity at the institute to to get to know him better uh i i i must admit i i feared jkb <laughs> in a way that i don't often fear people because <laughs> mm. he was because of that shortness and abruptness, you know, I, mm. I never, I never wanted to give the impression that I was wasting his time. Um. <laughs> I'm so glad that I, that I gave him a couple of pieces of mine to edit before, you know, I sort of said, you know, someone told me that, you know, this is an area that you're quite expert on because it was the most m merciless What is, what is the word for when a scientist kind of kills an animal and then cuts it open and then pulls dissection. out its organs? Merciless dissection. Uh, hmm. It really dissection somehow <laughs> doesn't even sound right because I feel like when people say dissection, they don't mean dissection. I mean evisceration. Di eviscer <laughs> I mean, but clinical. There was there was yes. there, there really wasn't a paragraph that hadn't been uh, struck through someplace or another. And I was very, I really, um, I really was hurt. You know, I was quite irritated myself. I thought, this guy, what is he? What? Are, what no, this is this is not right. But then I, yeah, you know, he, he sort of was right actually about quite a lot of things, um, and it hurt my brain. No, that was that was basically the point made in um, Jeremy Gordon's tribute to him. Was uh, you know, he basically said, "Oh, here's my brief." encounter with jkb during careers you know i was at the financial mail just as he was leaving and the gossip amongst the lefty journalists was this was a great triumph that he was leaving because he was too right-wing and now he's being replaced by a good honest lefty um this is when he's leaving the financial mail to go and run the institute of race relations 
And uh, Jeremy Gordon basically ends off by saying, you know, uh, you were against the illiberal impulses of the Nat successors. And man, were you right about that. Like you were so right about that. Mm. <laughs> they weren't just illiberal impulses. They were downright scary. Mm. And I'm, 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 uh, he basically, it was a, it was a piece saying, dude, you got a lot of hate for it, but you were totally right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, it uh, wasn't easy yeah. to hear. And that's the, and that's the way to do it. Uh, as he said, my, you know, my only weapons were my words, but he wielded them well. I really do. I, I really like how he ends his, his autobiography. So when I joined the Institute, the first thing that I did was I read Franz Crenier's Traveler's Guide, Time Traveler's Guide to 2030. Um, yeah. And then in the second week, I read John Kane Berman's Between Two Fires, his autobiography. And um, and I, I think that was a good way in to getting to know him a little bit. I also uh, very much regret that I didn't get to know more. Uh, but it did. He he wrote about himself candidly. Um, uh, wasn't wasn't so terse as to cut out the humanity. He allowed himself a little bit of a an anecdote about his you know the sweetness sweeter parts of his youth um, before getting into the you know the legacy of his parents, both of whom were. Uh, were, were were potent um, liberals uh, in the Torch Commando, that amazing uh, sort a, of... A, an organization which is basically not in the syllabus for South Africa's high school history education, mm. uh, which I think is a great stain, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah, but those guys, I mean, those guys fought the... You know, you ask yourself, when, when the, instead of adding to the voters' role, colored people were removed from the voters role like what were you doing well those guys were in the streets uh you know carrying their torches uh saying how no even and better they had just come back from fighting the fascists in europe <laughs> yeah. now they came back they came back to south africa to fight the fascists here they unfortunately they didn't there. win they didn't win. But they didn't win. It is a noble. They did at least. Fight. It is a noble thing. And he and he and he was born into that. You know, his, his dad's house was, his parents' <laughs> house was probably burnt down, um, by Nats, trying to send a message. To the torch commando. Uh, when he was a kid. And at his funeral, his brother recounted how, they would have dinner every night. The family around the table, the four boys and the and the parents sort of his father in a suit his mother in an evening dress evening gown and and the four boys all in jacket and tie uh, <laughs> <laughs> and they would talk about politics and and jake it's like jkb never quite took off his tie and i think that that did make him difficult but um it also he there was just something about 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 standing up straight and and doing the proper correct thing uh even yes. if people want to burn down your house um, <laughs> yes, because because humans are humans, and and yes. and 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 oppressing people because of their race is just inhuman, and it's improper. Yes. It's bad manners. You know, somehow there's there's like a view on the world where like <laughs> yes. the, the real issue with racism is it's very bad manners, and you mustn't. <laughs> and it's a very powerful idea, actually. And I think that it is. Uh, yes. Can I can I read that poem? So, 
Sorry, yeah, yeah. In a, in a second, I want to I want to tell one more one more uh, story about the the whole thing from my side, which yeah. is, um, you know, you know when someone attractive compliments you and you, it's like gives you a big ego boost, you're like, oh, this is great. Well, I had the intellectual version of that when um, Pierre, who was uh, JKP's partner, said to me, uh, you know, uh, he did like some of your stuff. In fact, I remember him saying relatively recently, Lorimer wrote a good article. And that was about as high as JKB's praise ever got. But when, when I heard that, I was I felt all warm and mushy inside. <laughs> and, Dude, when, uh, yeah, yeah, man. I think I think the strongest when I gave that liberal club speech um, yes. at the black tie thing after Helen Zilla, and and uh, uh, JKB came and said, uh, "What? I wrote it down somewhere. I think it was, I think it was something to the effect, astonishing." Astonishing. You mustn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll stay with you forever. <laughs> and I was just, oh, so, man. Go yeah. ahead, read the poem. So I this is this is written by Jan Seleers. Oddly enough, yeah, I went to large school Jan Seleers. Um as a as a grade four, my own little experience of uh being the other and getting beaten about the ears for being an English boy because I didn't speak in Afrikaans. But then I learned and I made friends and we and we all came out much better for it, I think. Um, anyway, I haven't I haven't heard this poem, I think, almost since I was in primary school. I think the one exception, oddly enough, was our former quiz master and a colleague at the Institute, uh, Deval Hutton, uh, once uh, referred me to it um, in my in my mid-20s at a at an interesting juncture, but it was uh, concluded uh, uh, wonderfully in Paul's remarks on John's life, um, and it's just the first. It's the first. It's a wonderful little bit. <clears throat> Still, broers, daar gaan a man verby. Hy groet in dis verlaas. Das nog maar een, soos hy. Bekijk om goed. And for those who would benefit from a translation, although it's difficult to to pull everything across the language boundary, it means something roughly like, quiet brothers, there goes a man. He greets and then it's over or abandoned there's uh there's just one there's all but one like him behold him well I think that liberalism is about individuals being the core the kernels the core values of society and and it's it's good to behold someone who has made a life, an individual life, uh, into something great. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, I mean, it's difficult to follow that up. <laughs> it is, and I vaguely as as important. Um, we will. We will probably. Um, I hopefully find a way to uh, 
um, I think get a little bit more into to to the subject of John Ken Berman's life at a, at yes. another stage and in another way, maybe with someone who knew and, and there will also on the uh, the Daily Friend podcast be a special edition with the the two the CEOs who came after John um, yeah. talking about his life and stuff, and I'm sure that'll be great as well. Uh, but that's still a ways away. They wanted some time to sort of consider and reflect what exactly they were going to say before we did that episode. Um, so the, yeah, that'll come down the pike. And just and just to say one yeah. down the pike, yeah, the American uh, Turnpike is a uh, yes, yes. High, highway where there's the highway goes under the highway. Um, the you know I just want to say like as a more general thing, part of what's interesting about reflecting on a on a person like JKB's life is that there are these there are those who whose names are in the headlines who change the course of events, um, and then there are those who who don't catch as much limelight, but who really um, uh, make important changes at important moments. And lobbyist mm. is a sort of dirty word um, in many contexts. Uh, but, well, and, and, I, I think, and I think often unfairly so, because, you know, at the end of the day, democracy is literally supposed to involve lobbying. <laughs> but, yeah, that's a discussion. I think for another time in a sense, but well, no, but I, yeah, exactly. So I mean, I think we can get I, part of part of what I think is interesting about talking about an individual like his life is that is that it you you can hardly do it without um, pushing into terrain that people that that is so unmainstream, and and in a way that is both reflective. Or, or, or indicative of, of interesting things about our time in history and why it is that in our time of history, with all the information around, it still turns out to be the case that, um, uh, that, that esteem is sort of distributed in the way that it is, where uh, the, the characters that are well-known and admired and that serve as role models are often um, of a sort in a way and and those who who really sort of um exercise influence in a way that is more reason responsive and more sensitive to uh common interests rather than partisan interest or political uh, uh, uh power grabs narrowly conceived why why that kind of chap which i think fits the mold of what a what a, a teenager you know if you ask the average teenager you know of course you might want to get into sports or you might want to get into um, inventing things curing cancer there are all kinds of you know going to the moon there are all kinds of jobs you might want to get into if you get into politics what kind of politician would you like to be I think most teenagers would probably say well I wouldn't want to be the one who's always chasing after the camera I wouldn't be the one who's trying to sort of hug the babies right. to seem cool while just doing whatever the rich people tell me to do. And, I'd want to be the ones, guy who's going out there and and arguing against right. all of the political parties in the mainstream for the really good idea that's missing from the conversation. And the, and the ones who 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 would want to do that, who do desire to do something like that, uh, would never admit it <laughs> because it's so it's so demeaning. It's like saying. I want to be the kind of person who becomes really famous in movies by manipulating the studio system and sleeping with everyone I need you to get to the top. Yes. You know? the top. No one's saying that. Right. So everyone, no one, no one admits to, to planning that. 
<laughs> everyone's got this kind of granola yeah like uh idea of like of what the good guy does should should be doing the good person yes. should be doing. but then there are actually good people and their and their stories don't necessarily um get out all that far and and i and i think that's an interesting thing to both about our time but it's also universal and it is also somehow a reflection about the actual fact that some people are not in the business of trying to maximize the amount of money they have or trying to maximize the amount of name brand recognition that they have when i was a kid um people just i remember one of the one of the sort of like sort of philosophical questions that i could understand in primary school that grown-ups would ask and sometimes we would ask each other there's a sort of like party you know sort of at break time it's like would you rather um come up with a line that or, or an invention or something that everyone knows or uses or rehearses but your name is not attached to it or but it's really really useful and it's amazing or come up with something where your name remains attached to it but it's it's not that great and it is i mean it's a good question because as as i remember the primary school conversation some people said no i did i want i want my name to be stuck there like if i'm if i'm gonna do it and some people What's are not like that they just they just like mm. i really that's really not the point the point is to try and um and and i think it's those stories where people are quite private persons as as jkb was where, you know where, yeah. where it actually takes your effort to get in there uh to to pull out some of the the details um that 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 those can be really worthwhile stories to to dwell on mm -hmm, indeed but so more of that to come in the meantime let's yes. talk about south for, africa for, yeah for, for for some reason i don't know why but I, when you said would you rather immediately my mind went to fight a hundred horse-sized sorry duck-sized duck. horses or one duck-sized uh, one horse-sized duck <laughs> which is a, a a classic of would you rathers um and i think the answer is obviously the small horses because ducks yeah. are scary man <laughs> Dude, I got I got plucked by a goose when I was seven, and I still geese are, geese are evil. <laughs> Dude, and I and, yeah. and geese are much worse than ducks. But I think if a duck was the size of a horse, it'd be a lot like a goose. You you know, like <clears throat> so so science has In, relatively recently discovered that you know, uh, or, or confirmed with hundred percent surety that birds are exactly they're the same family as, as dinosaurs in fact that when they talk about the extinct dinosaurs they call them the non-avian dinosaurs because yes. they really are the same thing and you know what if you look at the eyes of a chicken or some of these nasty ones <laughs> you can see the t-rex in there <laughs> yes, dude. if you yeah if you were if human beings were if the size ratio between a human and a chicken was reversed <laughs> yeah we'd have some real problems yeah you, not both of those species would be on the planet like yes, i don't think how environmentally friendly you are there is no ways that like if there were only five of them left in the world we would still kill every last one of them like <laughs> precisely um so so as 
as way of a segue from that completely irrelevant tangent, uh, have you noticed? It, is it just me? So, so here's here's a question, right? There's the, the news recently has been filled with. I think I made a comment on the show like a year or two ago about how big crime doesn't seem to like really make the news in a in a super shocking way, or at least if it does, it's very sort of over by the next day. You know, yeah. no one seems to look into it. And all of a sudden, that seems to have changed. And mm -hmm. we've had, I think, at least a couple of months worth of um, focus on some of the really awful crimes that are going on in, in, in South Africa. So my first question to you is, is this simply a, a feature of, of, of the media suddenly deciding, you know, this is the flavor of the moment and this is the issue we're going to talk about? Or is it actually getting more crazy and more hairy out there uh, in terms of the sort of violence that people are subjected to on a daily basis? As a kid, I used to sometimes fantasize that I could nudge the news. I was like a lonely single child, effectively. I've got a sister, which was not. And... And one of the thoughts was like, you know, like me and my imaginary friends would like send in a little thing and you just like, you cut the clip shorter or you like you add something and like, send secret messages. And and I, I suppose because of that, I started coming up with slightly fruity ideas about how the news works from, from when I was like in grade four or something. Um, but some, you know, so then I think one of the good things I about that is you, you come up with theories and then time dispels the ones that are obviously mad. Um, and and the ones that kind of end up sticking around at least have that to say for them. Uh, uh, so one of the ones that stuck around for the longest and that still sticks in my mind, um, although I've got no better evidence for it than what I've sort of played out, is the thought that when... When when race is really when the race card is really not um, in the winning sort of suit, or you know if there's like four kinds of you know diamonds clubs, and you're playing bridge, and one of them is now the trumping suit, uh, and the other some other one is like the weakest. When race is in its weakest footing is an issue in the media space for whatever reason, then crime gets much more coverage. Um, and another way to put it is that, you know, there's, there's a lot to be said for the Oscar Pistorius murder case. Um, and there's a lot to be said about those murder cases, uh, in, in the, in the hotel in Stellenbosch where some guy probably axed his wife to death and so on. And the other one where some guy killed his whole family and mm. shot his, but his sister survived and, the, the shooting and so can testify against the brother who killed everyone else in the family. Like the, the, the devil stuck murders where like serial killers were eating people. There are these amazing, horrific incidents where white people are the perpetrators and they absolutely deserve attention. But I often get the feeling that they get more attention than they would have gotten if the perpetrators were black, not because of anything other than this, the, the desire on the part of producers and editors to say, look, white people also commit crime 
and I've often and I've often felt that to be a salutary thing, especially when I was a kid, in the you know as an eight year old in the, in the nineties, it's it seemed I knew enough old people who would say that black people are criminals. Uh, it was certainly uh, not acceptable kind of behavior in the household, but uh, you know when one goes out, one hears these things, and I, so I could understand why. Um, why one w w would have a good reason to emphasize white criminals um, in order to dispel that kind of stupid thinking. Um, but then as time goes by, you, you sort of sit with these awful crime statistics and it's an embarrassment for the ANC. It's also an embarrassment for the national project of a rainbow, you know, for the rainbow project, uh, because we've, you know, half a million people have been murdered since 1994. At this stage, it's pushing on 600,000. Uh, that really is a much higher death. You know, th that's worse than Afghanistan. That's worse than Iraq. That's, you know, that is a major war. You think what's happening in Ukraine is terrible. Half a million people have been murdered in this country in the last 25 years. At a rate, that is almost out of this world. So it's a huge stain on the on the change and before the change south africa was a police state and they were like inyalas and caspers and whatever riding around everywhere enforcing the law and it was a really really bad law and especially from the late 80s enforcement started to cave in um and the people's war 20,000 25,000 black people were killed um almost entirely black people were killed uh so I'm, I'm, but it, but I'm, but I, I'm saying the meme, the, the the irritating meme is this thought that like, well, apartheid, whatever you say about it, at least the Oaks enforced the law, and now comes this thing, and everyone's being killed left, right, and center, and it's and and I understood that. I mean, I watched this play by a playwright called Mike Mark von Kran, Green Man Flashing, in 2006. I was in grade ten at the Grahamstown Arts Festival. And it sort of interwove, what's it, Green Man Flashing? It might have been a different play. Anyway, uh, it interwove um, scenes from uh, that he'd basically taken, lifted from the Truth and Reconciliation Commission of uh, police uh, torturing someone, a kind of sexual torture with the hose pipe um, and then leading to death of a, of a white cops torturing a black guy who was a political. Uh, <coughs> who was a communist, their version of a communist, which meant someone who believed that everyone, every adult deserves to vote. Um, uh, unfortunately, communism remains uh, very poorly defined. It's always been a problem <laughs> in this country. <laughs> yes. Anyway, they were, they were interspersing these scenes with, uh, with uh, the play interspersed those scenes with a, with a contemporary rape scene that leads to death and there were obvious analogies because from the p point of view of the victim um you you know there's a sexual violation and and, and it's followed by a murder um right. uh and i think and i remember actually talking about that play to rian Malan, and he said but this is a crazy comparison because in the case of a rape today at least you can take your complaint to the police and you should be taken seriously, and the law, at least in theory, is supposed to hunt down the perpetrator, whereas in that instance, the law was not um, uh, at all supposed to hunt down the perpetrator, which I, you know, I thought was a good way of trying to draw some kind of 
difference between the, the horrors of apartheid and the horrors of ordinary crime is that apartheid legitimized crime. You know, the law was mm -hmm. the crime. Um, and there is something especially bad about that. But this is all to say crime is a very difficult thing for us to process because it is so easy to start um, using high crime rates as some kind of retrospective justification for apartheid. Uh, right. that, that is a temptation that is irrational and stupid, but it's emotionally appealing. And human monkeys like me and you are run, unfortunately, mostly by emotional temptation and not by right. reason. And so the better, uh, the, the, the patronizing taste-making elites, the, the producers and the editors, they're like, okay, this is very scary. We don't want to talk about crime because that's going to sound like it's going to translate in someone's head into some celebration of white supremacy. Right. So that's that's the sort of background justification for the claim that um, the alternative way to think about it is when we're all actually just being sober and, and smart. It's like, dude, if, if a child is stealing from a spaza shop, it's not to do with race. If a child is stealing from a Woolies, it's not to do with race. It's to do with not understanding that you need to stick to the rules. And if someone is hurting someone else, it's bad because you're hurting someone. So you know we need we need law and order and and we need to not be distracted by um the 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 stupid ways that people will try and interpret calls for law and order um uh, as uh, with reference to history it's just something we need now we all need to be safe now it's the first of maslow's needs is you need to be safe from attack and so when south africa is in a prag when south africa's media space is in a pragmatic vein um I think it tends to give more time to crime and uh, and without sort of trying to cherry pick cases ba based on race. It's just going for the cases that are the scariest, the cases that mm. are the most resonant. And this week we started with Tembisa, four people dead uh, in those riots. Uh, I think two of them involved in the bombing of ATM machines, two of them probably shot by the Kurilini uh, police, Metro Police Department. Um they uh, 31 vehicles burnt down the the municipal, municipal offices burned, yeah. burned. um i think a police they, station might also have been attacked as well it was wild i mean and mm. look it's not like race was not involved in that story at all even after mm. two people were reported dead i saw enca i filmed 15 minutes of enca on that monday it was so mad they found some community member who's like they're like what do you get what about the, the death what about like the he was like yeah but you know the thing that hurts me the most is that the mayor is a white woman. <laughs> and so, obviously, so obviously she doesn't feel our pain. <laughs> like what a, what an inhuman response. Dude, and, and then it was yeah. it was carried over when Sally Bird when the when the anchor asked the correspondent, she had to ask him multiple times, what about the deaths? Because every time he's like the first time, he's like, "What about the deaths?" He's like, "Just hold on, I'll get to that." But can you just look? The camera's like focusing. You see, there's a little bit of like a, a, a bust water pipe or sewage pipe. There's some water coming out here, and here there's a lady standing on a rock, and she's talking about this and that, about how the mayor didn't come to see them on Friday, but she might come to see them on Monday. But ah, oh, we can't wait for that. What about like? Okay, thank you. Literally eight minutes of that, and then it's like, um, okay, back to back to the question. What about the deaths? 
And then he pivoted again. Like death, blood. Life is so cheap, unfortunately, yeah. in South Africa, that it's it's actually half a million people have been murdered. It's hard to draw it's, attention. It's, it's also it's also a great example of people like using race as a way to kind of like change the conversation away from something they might to to something they want to talk about away from something they don't want to talk about. Yeah. In this case, you know, why is this thing turned into a riot that's destroyed municipal property and you know led to some deaths? Well, okay, you know, um, uh, but the real problem is is the white mayor. <laughs> yeah, it's a total pivot. It's a transparent and total pivot. But but so so part of the story is that I think South Africa is, is you know, Ipsos has been doing these surveys. How do you think the country is going in the right or the wrong direction? And South Africa, on average, over the last five years, is the worst in the world. About on average, ninety percent of people think we're going in the wrong direction. Um, right. In the first quarter of 2018, uh, we that number dropped fifteen percent. So almost a third of South Africans in the new dawn thought we were going in the right direction, according to Debs of Um, But the numbers came right back down uh, to only eight percent think we're going in the right direction. Most people think we're going in the right direction. We ask. Our own survey last year asked, "Is your life has your life improved in the last five years since Ramaphosa came to power? Has your life gotten any better?" I think tw less, just around twenty percent said yes. Eighty percent said it's either the same or it's worse. Uh, so, like on 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 Thursday after JKB's funeral, I went to ENCA to be part of a panel. I mean, it was amazing. Kenneth Brown was like former chief procurement officer for. For SARS, uh, for the country, you know, for the country in a way, for, for Treasury, sorry. Bohang um, Mohale, uh, uh, the uh, Bonang Mohale, Professor Bonang Mohale, the Chancellor of Vice Chancellor, of, the head of Free State University. Um, uh, someone from Kasatu who I can't remember, but she said, but just as an aside, she said in in 1990 in the in the 90s, the great thing was in the build up to the revolution. All the black parties were together. They were unified. <laughs> mm, yes. We must bring oh, that well, back. That's yeah. That's either that's either gross ignorance or a shall we say selective reading of history. Yes, <laughs> the IFP and the ANC were unified. I mean, that woman. I really wanted to. Well, um, you could you could interpret it to say that uh, in her mind, the IFP are not black. Oh right, yeah. Also, but I don't. Anyway, I like that. I like that. But also, there was Inflantla Lux there, the sort of head of the militia ah, to yes. drive foreigners out. So we're to people's party. Well, you know, he's split from Operation Tadula now. Yeah, I know. They've got different ways of trying to. Oh, he totally... well, interestingly, he 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 defied. He basically said, "No, no, I'm only against the illegal foreigners." Whereas Operation Tadula apparently said, "No, no." We don't want any foreigners here. If you don't have SA, born in SA on your passport, on your ID, you must get out. Wow. And um, Dude, he was, his charisma, and the only other time I felt, it's, there's a couple of times, the last time I felt that was when I was in a petrol station in the middle of rural KZN with Helen Zilla. Everyone in the room wanted to be with him. Everyone wanted to take a photo with him. Everyone wanted to get uh, an anecdote out of him. Every That guy... This is, is this is what makes me very worried. Is potent, very <laughs> potent, very very attractive right now. He is. I would say he. My is an interesting fellow. Mashaba's. I've been in that same studio with Mashaba. Yeah, Mashaba's an interesting guy, dude. Lux to do Lux Lamini, 
has has got that rock star factor right now. Which is not his real name. I can't remember yeah. what his real name is. It got revealed in a court in Santa, thing. I think. But yeah, even his, in Santa, even his in Santa is not his real name. Exactly. Yeah. Lux is his stage stage name, and Santa is his stage name, and then there's an original name. Dude, that guy. There were DA people there, Action SA people there, ANC people there, um, ANC youth and uh, establishment people there, Kasatu people there, Nelson Mandela Children's Foundation people there, um, journalists, you know, uh, ENCA workers. Everybody wanted to uh, get their selfie with Lux. When we did the big group photo, the producer wanted him in the middle. When they were talking on the screen, we had like a 90-minute thing. Everyone wanted to say yes, as as mm. as as he said. And and the points he was making, dude, that guy, the last point, he turned to me and he's like, you know, you're so right. I got to knock BEE and no one contradicted me for an hour and a half on primetime <laughs> national television. Dude, that's how angry South Africa is. It is so pragmatic and so angry that a member of the Institute of Race Relations who looks like me can just go and say a common sense thing like, we're talking about policy. How can we improve education? We should give vouchers. We should give grant vouchers to parents so that they can decide where their kids go to school. The same kind of system that's been tried in Nigeria and America, India and so on. And we asked parents, would you prefer that or more BEE? And 80% of black respondents said they prefer vouchers for, for uh, education and health care and so on than BEE. And why is this connected? Well, because as you guys have been saying, I could quote, there, Kenneth Brown, there, uh, the, 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 DA people, they're the, the Soweto People's Congress people saying the big problem was we didn't professionalize the civil first service. Yes, we didn't. What did we do? We made race a criteria instead of instead of expertise. We, 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 we put skills and race as if they're in competition instead of just listening to what most South Africans say, which is getting and, best for the job. And it's fine if they're white or black or Indian or colored. And if you think it's a problem if they're black, if you think it's a problem if they're Indian, white or colored, then you're the problem. Uh, that is the much better way to go. And no one contradicted me. And instead, Lux finished his spiel, his last comment, by saying, you know, my parents tried to bring that hateful attitude of saying, white people, Hannah, Hannah, back in the day, Hannah, Hannah, I don't want to hear it. I'll tell them, stop. We must work with white people. We must work with black people. We must work with Indian people, colored people, all people. We have to work together. Everyone was so angry that non-racialism was sexy for <laughs> That's how you know things are bad. <laughs> things are that bad, dude. It is that what I was trying to say about the Ipsos polling. We, we haven't seen the latest numbers, but we, I'm sure that this winter, after two million jobs gone, after you can see that the post-COVID recovery is not happening, with inflation, with petrol climbing, with all of the issues that we have on top of the issues that we already had, I think people are fed up with the Vits style of analysis where you have to sort of light your pipe and reflect on 35 years ago it mm. is dude on that stage so many people were saying i don't want to literally i don't want to hear your stories about apartheid i want to the issue is now 28 years into democracy you are you have lost your right to blame things on apartheid we are no longer teenagers in this country we are a mature country when you are 28 years old you cannot blame your parents you have to take responsibility for your life this was being said in a crowd full of political agents. And 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 the thing that kept hangering, you know, one of the things that basically kept arguing for, uh, the only thing that was subtle was the argument for vigilantism. Yes. 
And that is at the heart of, of the criminal activity. It is this idea yes. of the government is so bad. It is so corrupt. It is so useless that its core function of enforcing the law against people mm. who steal cannot be respected. They are the ones who steal. The government is the ones who steal. So we have to make our own justice. And sometimes that means bombing ATMs in order to theoretically lower the price of electricity. And sometimes it means going after the, <laughs> after the Zama Zamas. I mean, dude, um, as far as I can tell, guys, I saw nine people stripped bare naked on camera being driven through the streets, being whipped through the streets. It is medieval what happened there with those, hmm. those Zama Zamas. It is positively... Uh, it's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's flabbergasting that it still happens. There's a creepy, there's a creepy sort of xenophobia angle to it as well, which is that, you know, a lot of the summer summers are Basutus, or at least that's the reputation they have. And so this is sort of, uh, you see, we need to drive these foreign dogs out and punish them and whip them in the streets. Uh, I, yeah, I get... This is also, so, you know, some people, they hear like, oh, the state's failing its thing and people are taking responsibility. And there's definitely some good sides to that. But at the same time, yes, watering we're not going to get, is wonderful. Right, right. We're going to, uh, we're not going to get a sort of, you know, hyper-individualistic, federal, liberal, libertarian paradise uh, if the state crumbles in its duty to protect law and order. We're going to get warlordism. Dude, and warlordism is yeah. nasty. It's so ugly, dude. Well, the, the, the bizarre thing about this ENCA debate that I went to was that it sounded to me exactly like conversations we were part of in 2019, where we were making the same points, where some, where, I don't know, people who misdescribe themselves as libertarians or whatever, you know, where a kind of some ethnocentricists who just want a lager mentality uh so that the folk can unite and some libertarians who kind of think all government is bad and so all self-help is good uh were 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 were, were neglecting to consider the essential and indispensable role of government which is to maintain law and order under the rule of law if it's doing it properly and th so this I, conversation I, on, on it was exactly the same the soweto people's congress no. it's there it's it's the same dude and warlordism it's exactly this it, it, that is the it is I, the I open read an interesting uh, uh my dad sent me an interesting article recently about mexico and uh the way that the mexican state is beginning to disintegrate hmm. Those drug cartels have gone beyond being drug cartels at this point. The big ones in the north, the Sonolas and the, all these other groups. And um, recently there was a case where El Chapo, who is the big famous drug lord who got arrested and is in jail in the US now, after a, and then escaped at one point and got recaptured. He escaped, yeah. Yeah, uh, and, then, and then they got him back. But anyway, he's still very influential. His sons are very big in, the, in one of the cartels down there. And... Um, these cartels are now expanded into everything. They're essentially becoming shadow governments. They don't just run drugs. They control the avocado harvest. They police, you know, some local municipal's functions. They do all these things. They have their own armed forces, essentially. The Mexican army arrested two of El Chapo's sons. Uh, one of them escaped and then took over a regional capital's city center and fought 
like a military style engagement with the Mexican army and at the mm. same time dispatched hit squads to go and kill the families of the soldiers he was fighting against mm. um, until the second brother was eventually ordered by the Mexican president to be released. And Jeez. what's happening across a, a lot of Mexico is that essentially warlordism is becoming the fact of life. You've got cartels mm. controlling some parts of the country. You've got regional governors controlling like some part. And then you've also got You've got people who are, you know, what we might call sort of self-defense units, people who are so scared of being traumatized and, and abused by the cartels and the government that they're arming themselves and taking the law into their own hands and defending their communities um, mm. with with weapons. Now, that that's admirable in the short term, but in the long term, they're going to become you're warlords just like you're just another else. mafia. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly, because, you know, like suddenly, okay, well, this guy, you know, he's not really playing with the rules, so we're going to go and sort him out, and then the local community asks you to deal with this problem, and before you know it, you're this parallel government. And you and, also, you have to spend all your time doing it, so you're not making money, and community people are like, oh, dude, have some money. We, like, we're so grateful yeah. for your help. <laughs> Here's some donations. <laughs> yeah, and then donations eventually become rent and Taxes. extortion. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And, and so, you know, we already actually have examples of warlordism in this country. Um, most of them are in KZN. Uh, and, you know, look to KZN to see the future if this trend continues, because the, yeah. it is not pretty. It is negative for growth and, and, and livelihoods, because, you know, when when you don't have the liberal structure of society like the courts and like a constitutional system, when force and patronage and appealing to the local strongman are what's, uh, 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 you know, the ways to get ahead. People don't build businesses. They don't create produce. They don't develop anything except what the warlord says that they can develop. And it's not just, you know, there's a temptation of that same sort of recalcitrant, like angry, uh, bitter sort of white nationalist to say, ah, oh, well, you know, this is only a problem for black people. No, no, no. <laughs> I have met people in white suburbs who are proto-warlords. Mm. They often run security companies or mm. they run some sort of local vigilant, sort of semi-vigilante community forum or something like that. Mm. And I guarantee you that as the state continues to retreat, those people are going to start exercising a lot of influence that no legal, no constitutional authority gives them. Uh, and in fact, in some cases already do. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know... Uh, people, but, uh, the, my, the, the, there's a phrase in sort of South African parlance that always makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable is when the way that community and community leader are thrown about. Hey, it is harsh, hey? It is so, yes. it's so naked. It's such a, the, I mean, th this guy that I, I said who, who said the problem in Tembisa where four people died, the thing that hurt him the most was that the mayor is white. Underneath, of course, what did it say on ENCA's banner? community leader yes and and when people talk about the community you know this is not no one elected these people no one yeah. elected this person to be in charge no one elected these rioters to say okay we're going to go and burn down the local municipal office it's yeah it's a rule by strength and these people are not leaders they're they're, they're, the, they're bullies. Or bullies. yeah they're the, they're the people that everyone else is too afraid to pull off yes. the rock to pull off the soapbox. I think that I think that it's worth dwelling on the Zamazama thing for a moment. So also in, included in the in the in the killings and the sort of walk of shame, this like 
scene right out of Game of Thrones where you make someone be naked and you walk them through the streets and you whip them while they're walking. Um, there is also the allegation that uh, while knowingly people were still in a mine shaft, you know, uh, not the heavy deep one, but anyway, that that it was closed by quote unquote the community. This is how it's been reported, uh, right. trapping those people underneath uh, and causing them to sort of die a pretty excruciating death of uh, dehydration effectively in the hot underground with no water or fresh air for a few days. It'll take a few days, but eventually they'll die. It's not clear that anyone's out there to rescue them. It's not 100% clear to me that people were definitely trapped under there or that they don't have another way out, but that is the uh, apparent intention of those who who, 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 who tried to close it down. Right. So... It's really grim. It, then, okay, so what the, the media that there has been a lot of coverage of this. Uh, very little of it has been about um, the actual. Well, it turns out that you can spend a, give a lot of airtime to an issue with, and leave a lot of questions unanswered. Uh, one of the most obvious questions is, what is the motivation? Why is quote unquote the community uh, so angry at the Zamazamas that they're sort of keen to strip them naked and kill them and so on? trap them underground and insofar as that question gets any attention the answer is a simple um reference to the to the to the fact that the zamazamas are themselves a gang that they have terrorized the communities uh and that uh, you know you can sort of understand it basically on that basis now here's my problem with that interpretation i don't know much but what i do know about gang warfare or or or, or gangs is that they're not the kinds of things that get taken on by quote unquote the community. If 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 what I was if it was true that the community is the kind of thing that'll stand up and and strip gangsters down naked and march them through the streets uh, while whipping them, then the Cape Flats would have had uh, you know uh, at this stage so many people being marched naked through the streets that. It well, to, to be phenomenal. fair, it did have some. Um, you you remember, uh, I mean, it was before our time, but I'm sure you know of, uh, what are they called, Pachad? This Pachad, sort of, yes. Or, yeah. People against who, guns who, and drugs. That, yeah, this is exactly, that, yes. Right. So those people existed, and they did a whole bunch of that to drug dealers, and then they sort of, <clears throat> they, went, <laughs> they went a bit far in some places, uh, and they became something not so good. Well, firstly, some of them went a bit dead and some of them went too far. But it was, but one of the things that stood out about Pachad was that it was organized, that it had a name. And another thing that stood out was that it had a very potent religious um, yes. uh, point of call. The idea that a community in South America, where does the community get up and, and, and go take out hardened gangsters? The whole point of hardened gangsters is that they're very hard to take out. Like, how come those guys didn't have any guns? Like, before you stripped them naked, did you take their gun off of them uh, without getting shot? Uh, what kind of gangsters are these? I strongly suspect on the face of it, when I see nine men being marched naked down the street, that they were not gangsters in the first place. That no one who's whipping them and marching down the street is worried that that guy's going to go to jail for whatever you can possibly criminalize him for maybe for a weekend and he's then going to come out and find his 
gun wherever he buried it or buy a new one and shoot you through the head as you sleep. Like, they, they, I just didn't see any of that worry. So I suspect that they weren't gangsters. Um, that they, and this is not to say that I don't think any of the Zamazamas are gangsters. Um, and it's it's not even to say that I doubt that some of those guys weren't tough or tough and rough. The kind of chap where at a pool bar, uh, you know, a, a kind of shabin. If you if you come on the wrong be, side of one of them, they they he locks so eyes hard. with you. You you you're gonna want to start running because <laughs> he's yeah. gonna mess you up. They're tough, and like if you cheat him at pool, he will probably beat you up. Like I'm sure those Zamazamas, I'm very confident that they're tough guys. Um, that they that they're that they're hard men. Um, but the thought that they're organized gangsters who are going around extorting the community for money, uh, you know, threatening them with violence, you know, I'll burn down your shabin unless you give me free drinks. I'll, you know, I'll I'll kill your daughter unless you sleep with me. Like, you know, I'm inventing these specific allegations to try and to try and make sense of a story that has not been explored whatsoever in the media. The media just says they're terrorizing the community. I find it difficult to believe that uh, the community, whatever that is, uh, would be able to overwhelm an organized gang in the fashion that it did and, and that it would do so in the kind of um, humiliating uh, way that it did without being able to assure that the, it then concluded the humiliation with, with, with killing them or putting them in jail for a sufficiently long time that they'd feel safe thereafter. So I suspect that this is just a typical case of the strong preying on the relatively weak. I suspect that part of the issue is that they are illegal that part of the issue is that they are uh foreign for the most part uh that they're a stigmatized group that they're kind of just hardy enough to sort of survive in the usual course of things i i know from living in yeovil when i have uh what it's like to walk around with your chest puffed out and looking over both your shoulders uh, most of the time sort of being aware of where people are around you so that if you do get attacked you can throw some punches and some kicks and extract yourself from the situation fairly cleanly, uh, but not to be uh, capable of doing much more than that. So that if you're attacked in a coordinated way by a very large group of people, then you're going to be stoned to death or you're going to do what you're told. Um, I, you know, I've seen people, I saw someone get stoned to death pretty much outside my mother's house. I'm, I have tried, I couldn't figure out who, why, what in a, in a credible way. But on the allegations uh, presented by the people who were sort of watching from the periphery, dude, that was not a hardened criminal. It was like it starts out, ah, he was a Tutsi. Oh, what, what, what? You know, he stole, he stole two loaves stole of bread and like and someone's yeah. shoes and a, and a cell phone. It's like ah, you. This is not. Um, it's it's. Uh, I. You know, in a way, I think the gangsters are the guys doing the whipping. Uh, they're the guys sort of connected to the cops who are making sure to look away at certain times and, and look in at certain times. And I think that the, I think that the, that one of the strange things that's exposed by when, when crime does come into the forefront of this, of the South African picture, the thing that shines out to me, uh, as we discussed before the show, is that South Africa really is a very conservative country. Yeah. And the the, dom the the political establishment is very left-wing and very progressive and so on and so forth. And sometimes they sort of give the sense of, well, we are 
we have more enlightened views than our people because we are against the death penalty and our people are for it. But like, dude, this country is very conservative. In some ways, it's a good thing, but it's so conservative that in some ways it's a very bad thing. It's a very dangerous thing. Mm. It's like we live in a country that is that it, that has all of the potential to to bring out the worst sides of conservatism, the worst xenophobia, the worst um, kind of anarcho-libertarian, communitarian. I, you know what? You know what I would say. I'd call it um, as a sort of reactionary streak of you know the the real mistake that South Africa made was giving these criminals too many rights. And I mean, uh, what's his name? Jacob Zuma has <laughs> at times tried to take advantage of this. This is one of my favorite quotes from Jacob Zuma is when he was giving a talk to the ANC. It was relatively close to before he got, you know, that little shinding with him, sort of got arrested. When he, <laughs> he said, you know what the real problem in this country is? Is that the criminals have more rights than the victim. <laughs> yeah, he did say that. Did you know who said that to me? <laughs> I was pulled over one day. I was driving down uh, Bairnsnodier um, to go and play paddle at the Joburg Country Club with uh, John Anderson and Franz Grenier, former and current CEOs of uh, Institute of Rational Nations. And I was pulled over by the cops, and I was very irritated because I'm late, and like I don't want to be late for my boss. And uh, I was going to be just on time, but anyway, the cop was like, "Dude, you're not wearing a seatbelt. Your hooter doesn't work. Your lights don't work." Uh, <laughs> as brightly as they should like it's the morning <laughs> the brake lights even i don't know whatever it was some 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 problem i also didn't have a driver's license like that cop had all of the reason in the world to write me a fine and i was done i was like dude just write me a fine i need to go like please don't write me a fine i'm a poor journalist but if you're gonna write me a fine dude when he found yes when he found out i was a journalist he just wanted to talk to me and he was like you okay so you journalist what do you what when you're telling the people uh what's wrong with the country what do you tell what do you tell <laughs> <laughs> it's like i don't really have time this is a this is not a small topic this is a big topic <laughs> Dude, luckily I, can't give was... you the, I can't give you the five minute cliff notes version <laughs> <laughs> Dude, this is not one of those guys who was asking the question because he wanted to hear the answer he was asking the question because he wanted to give the answer and his answer was <laughs> the problem is we give the criminals too many rights but it's amazing because he said you know who's the best example that jacob zuma Look how many rights. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is this was exactly my thought when Jacob Zuma made these comments. I said, "Yeah, I mean, he would know." <laughs> yeah, dude. But this cop, I mean, we're such a conservative. What? Yeah. So here's how the conversation continues, dude. He's he's got his hand on his gun in his holster, and he's looking at me, and he's like, "You know, you're a criminal, and if I was to shoot you now." Because you have broken the law, you are not driving properly. You don't have a driver's license. If you start giving me lip, and I and you, if you start giving me cheek, and I'm worried that you're going to attack me, and and I just shoot you now between even a, maybe just in the leg to stop you, but not to kill you. You know who's going to go to jail? I said I don't know. He says I'm going to go to jail. <laughs> Outrageous! Can you believe it? This is why this country doesn't work. <laughs> And look, look, you know what? The thing is, and this is the thing I think, and, and, and this is, once again, a, a point I made in an article a while ago. This is ubiquitous to every class, race, doesn't matter how you divide the country. This is the experience that all of us have because we are also freaking traumatized by the violence and the horror going on around us that this impulse to say, you know what? Let's just shoot them all and let God figure out who the good ones and the bad ones are. 
yeah. is it is very relatable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't does not take an active imagination to know what that feeling is. Yes. It's it's right there. It's inside. And it's <laughs> it's it is inside all of us because it is a very traumatic uh, thing to live in South Africa. <laughs> um and 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 as to your point of conservatism, the point my, my father always makes with regards to this is every single political meeting in this country begins with a prayer. And I actually quite like the way that South Africans have managed to do this because even though these prayers are often like explicitly Christian or, 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 or whatever, there's also sort of a kind of a tolerance and a no ill feeling by anyone. So if someone mm. says a, 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 a Muslim prayer or a Christian prayer or Hindu prayer, other people kind of just accept it. And it's, mm. I must say, it's one thing I think South Africans have done pretty well for the most part is our, our ability to tolerate different religions is pretty good. Um, mm. Uh, you know, considering that we always have all these kind of weird, you know, we're supposed to be a country allegedly split apart by race and very, divided very by class or whatever. Yeah, you know, we've got all these like social issues and clashes. But when it comes to religion, even though we've actually got quite a few in this country, yeah, it's like, yeah, whatever, you know? Like, mm. it doesn't matter if we're a secular society and parliament starts with a prayer. It's like, okay, that's fine. Mm. Yep. I mean, sometimes some commentators get a little bit annoyed by it here and there, but like, it's well, never they're, they're... really a big issue. There's a sort of old, I, I must say, old white men. Uh, I do feel like I, it's, it's not <laughs> nice to general, but I do think it's fair to say that that um, that white people um, uh, had a different, generally generally speaking, had a different education experience than black people under apartheid, and that right. it was an important project of the Nats to try to um, through school age produce young men who are prepared to join the army and some yes. of the south african armed forces uh, contributions in africa were probably for the good uh, in terms of uh, uh, taking out communists in angola and whatever i don't want to get into litigating the justice of those wars or right, injustices right. but i think that i think that there is room to have some kind of reasonable respect for the for the whole conscription thing um you know, I've got one uncle who was a lieutenant in the army, and another one who was a total uh, draft dodger. And I think you, I think you can have both in one family, and 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 yeah, all my, get along. My, my family very much uh, was on the draft dodging side there, and when they did go, they mucked about as much as they could. <laughs> yes. I mean, at one point when my when my dad was conscripted, he got into like the 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 army newspaper or something you know because he had this journalism background and he said you know we need to have a a section of the office which is dedicated towards understanding the enemy and so he managed to convince them to give him permission to set up a a, a like stand or something filled with anc propaganda yes yes <laughs> and another thing he used to do is shoot shoot other people's targets at the firing range uh, which would make the sergeant so angry because he couldn't quite tell who was doing it. Anyway, so this yeah. is this is my my father's efforts to gum up the works of the apartheid <laughs> war machine. Yeah, <laughs> but it's a strange. But but he, I mean, I mean, uh, you know, the the good thing about that was uh, on a personal level, taught one how to dodge systems, which is a useful yes. skill sometimes. <laughs> very important, very important skill to cultivate in a, any just about anywhere really. But so, but, uh, you know, I think, I th I think that the the 
that that some some white dudes who 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 grew up in environments where Christianity was used as a tool to try and yes. indoctrinate racism uh, have a beef against Christianity where you, you ask them to pray, uh, you know, to participate right in a Christian they, prayer, they, they do resent it. it. They, they resent that, but they'll participate yeah. in a, a Hindu or a or a Muslim uh, or a or a Jewish. Uh, you know, if they were at a Jewish wedding and everyone bowed their head to say a little prayer, they would go mumble mumble right. without feeling. They've, they've got they've that. got uh, they've got a very specific beef uh, with with Christianity and especially with the uh, in Kirk. Yes. So, but I think outside of that, and 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 yeah. I just say that because. Because that does largely, def because that defines an important part of the sort of society that I have moved through, and I have sometimes mm. become a little bit impatient with um, people who go after religion as a whole or after Christianity as a whole on the basis mm. of of a very narrow subsection of it, um, and that's partly because I think religion is indelible and it's worth trying to bring out the best. But that's just right. you know, uh, I, I I like all of them, and I pretty much yeah. I, I, I think it's good to try and bring out the best, but that's my own. Anyway, that's fine. The point is that the 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 religious side of South Africa is a is a is a nice place to look at how conservative we are and how, unfortunately, because that fact is so smothered mm. by those in charge. Both in the halls of power and the and the corridors of uh, media transmission, there isn't enough light to keep the best of conservatism going, and sometimes mm. the worst of it takes over. And if I think about the church, it sickens me to consider how many uh, national name brand Christian leaders effectively just sell. A kind of materialist, yeah, the prosperity stuff. and you'll get yeah. money. I find it obnoxious, and it's because where else can you find a national figure? What politician is going to say, you know what, if you work hard and you make lots of money, that's yours, no one else should have it, and it's not just nice, it's also good. Mm. No politician, you, not even in the, not even in that awful DA, will politicians stand up and say, you know what, if you go and make money in good business it's a very it's not just nice it's actually very very good it's because it's too scary to say it we, we the overton window is so far to the left it is so anti-capitalist that if you go say capitalism has some virtues you get hounded down so the only people left to say it are the preachers and damn it it's the wrong place to be yes. saying it it just doesn't work uh, you know uh, speaking of speaking of preachers saying funny things and promising material rewards for you know belonging and giving your money to the church another facet of this conservatism and it's one that's truly i think understood by both the anc and the eff and this is why um my mom is thinking about writing and telling about this about the moral regeneration project which was originally headed by jacob zuma uh but it's now sort of produced a report every year and it's not clear if it's actually done anything except it's yeah it's signed a charter of moral regeneration twice um but that's yeah that's for her to explain but why does the ANC run initiatives like this? Why, when there was a preacher who was talking about everyone eating grass, do you remember that story? There was like a, a weird grass. church. Yes, there was a weird church, yeah. and they said that the the way to like be blessed by God was to eat grass as a. And there was another one which was you drink petrol, 
right? This was uh, supposedly miracles yeah. of faith would protect you from these. The EFF went in, and I, I, I'm pretty sure they either harassed or burned down the church tent that was there. And that was a popular move because a lot of South Africans have this sort of conservative thing of this is unorthodox. This is profaning our sacred beliefs. These are people playing silly buggers with religion, and they must be punished for it. And the EFF and ANC do understand that it's one of the reasons they've managed to maintain such a grip on the country. And it's a problem that I think especially the DA has is that, you know, it really doesn't, especially at its higher levels, quite get religion. It's sort of like, uh, I don't know, it's like it's just a thing you have. No, no, it's not just a thing you have. It's an entire way of looking at the world. Mm. And mm. it's core to people's identities and it can't just be brushed aside or ignored. Mm. Um, it's deep man it's very deep and it's very important and it can be very admirable but like mm. all things it has to be it has to be nurtured it has to receive a kind of critical attention it has to receive a, a kind of joyous grace um it's uh it's just it's just no good relegating it to right you know as has been said about bizarre. many de many debates if responsible people don't have the conversations about these things you're going to get fly-by-night people, charlatans, grifters, malevolent figures taking over the conversation. And because our commentariat and our elites are so disinterested in talking about, you know, this conservative parts of the country, religion, law and order stuff, we get people who go out there and call for vigilante action on a mass scale, not to defend property, but to hunt out and destroy the criminal elements. Uh, we get, you know, weird churches and people who are selling prosperity gospel, you know, discount Christianity. This is, this is, this is not what should be happening. If we had, I feel like if the daily Maverick had interesting things, you know, about what was going on at the ZCC church, uh, mm. that would probably be pretty good for the country. Dude, this has been such a long running theme of ours. And I do, it is the kind of thing that makes me wish we had more resources to, to get the daily, um, daily friends onto, uh, mm. And I mean, you know, I I don't mind saying like our colleague Tieko, uh, how do I say his surname? Tohotso. I think Tohotso. He did. There is an interesting young man. Hey, he he tried running for a a seat with a DA, sort of lost by a tiny little margin. It was it was extremely split. I think like the winning party got some twenty one percent of the vote, and the deer was in like third place with eighteen point five or something. <laughs> so he like he like uh, lost by like for forty eight votes for some whatever certain yeah. number it was, and so he he came and worked with us a little bit, and it was so interesting hanging out with that guy because part of him went because he comes from rural nowhere, like as he tells the story, sort of didn't hadn't met a white person until he finished high school kind of thought that white people were all very yeah he, 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 he hung out a lot with these kind of eff academic -y types who were like yeah always telling stories about the evil of white people which were always never it, like a personal experience it was always you know this happened to someone mythological but yes. he had a <laughs> but he but he also obviously had a lot of good influences who were mm. um but you know both both in a sort of traditional helica you know uh, uh, ancestral a, a, a religious space which i don't really have the language to i, I right, he's, a, he's a devoted but, member of the zcc church actually and he and maybe we should get him on the show at some point to tell us about what's going on inside that church because it's yeah. apparently it's quite complicated there's some sort of leadership dispute at the moment 
dude, it's mad complicated. And he, he's a mad complicated like thing going on in his own life. And it's and it's like we do we live. It 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 is so interesting. Like if nothing else, there there is something about chasing the stories that is that are interesting. Um, that are just obviously fascinating. That mm. uh, that should switch. That should be turning on the switches of South African readers, and of and and of South African writers or, or, or investigators. But something about that hasn't been happening. Something about it mm. remains. This is sort of this is why. In, this is exactly why I like the Daily Sun. Yes, dude. because the Daily Sun, even though it's like a trashy tabloid, right? They would go out and they'd interview ordinary people about things that you weren't supposed to talk about. Mythology, witchcraft, weird sex stories, people with a strange family dynamics, you know, like, you know, tabloid stuff. But they weren't afraid to talk about the things that we're not supposed to talk about, you know, that we never talk about. You know, like, what is it like to have, uh, like, I think there was a story, you know, about a woman who's a polygamist and has four husbands. Uh, and then there's always a story about, you know, a tokolosh that's stolen something from someone or has caused some mischief somewhere. And, you know, these are interesting stories that I wouldn't say a majority of the country, but a lot of people take quite seriously and, ha and has an impact on their lives and the way they view the world. Um, and these especially, things are not sort of... There's especially a, there's a, in times of crisis. And and to get exactly. back to the, the, the crisis, the crisis right now, like... We, we sort of started this. You asked me right at the beginning. You're like, what, what, what is there to be said about whether crime has just been hitting our TV screens more because the media has made a decision that this is now an important thing to focus on? And it's not just this week. It's like in this winter, one of the biggest stories is this like – is this legal? Is this criminal trial? That's where the where the advocates have gotten involved in being having allegations allegations against themselves. Uh, the, I mean, just on the average day when I walk downstairs, where the TV's always on, the more often than not, I'm seeing criminality being broadcast in SABC and ENCA, and that has never been the case before for mm. such a sustained period. Sometimes you get mm. a week or two, but this has pretty much been the whole winter, like the main. You know, on the average, uh, day and the tavern shootings, of course, as well. Huge. Uh, Huge. Uh, that it, original comment yeah. I made about about the media not paying enough attention to it was prompted by a murder, a double murder in Limpopo, where a child had witnessed both of their parents, like a three-year-old, being hacked to death with a machete in front of their eyes in their hut, and it was in a very like rural, small village in the middle of Limpopo just horrific grisly scene from the the short news story about it. it was like you know kind of one of those stories that you barely even notice because it gets so little space on the on the on the web page mm. and i just thought how is this not a bigger story this is horrifying this is mm. like the kind of story that should get you know and 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 the story was like oh no motive is known there's like some rumor that it might be to do with a jealous lover or something mm. this is how is this not being covered mm. um and I'm so glad, in a sense, that that conversation has changed. Sorry, I was interrupting you. But it, no, no, dude, it has changed. And the Kestel Farm murders. I mean, the Kestel Farm murders mm. have been covered for for weeks. And it's I've never seen that before. So um, I think that part of it is uh, 
a reflection of the general disgruntlement of the country kind of changing the media's focus and it is kind of paying more attention to to but i also suspect that the statistics might say that there really is a difference on the ground mm. that things mm. really are getting worse winter is always cold and long and dry it's very dry and for mm. people who are living close to the bread line that live uh you know oh it it it, it, it is worse the, the the cattle are leaner uh and and some of them die effectively of of, of not and when you have some clear. right and when you have some bad load shedding on top of that even the people with electricity are not uh let's just say it's not something that puts you in the best of moods it's a time for desperation it's a time for anger. i mean just this week a very um dear and an intimate uh connection suffered an attack on his house um south of soweto and orange farm uh mm. uh and i and then i just reflected on like his brother-in-law was murdered a few weeks ago you know it's like um it's it's very it's Lucy very touching. Got rubbed recently yeah did you see that story yeah in, yeah. in, in a cape town restaurant dude it's 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 it is it is not comfortable it is not a it is not an exaggeration uh to say that it's not comfortable of course where I am right now, I'm in a, you know, there's barbed wire there. There's a, a, two guards uh, between me and the street. I, I walked uh, two nights ago. I walked back from dinner, 10 o'clock at night, just walked home. It was very delightful. Last week, Friday, I had a Newsroom Africa interview at 10 past 10 at night. And before that, I went up the hill just to go have one beer because I was so grumpy that the thing kept being delayed. I was like, I'll break my rule. I'll have a beer before I do a TV interview. And I saw this like music thing and it was like this wonderful, super mixed. Everyone's 20 years old and good looking and half the guys are wearing bathrobes and most of them have long hair <laughs> and tattoos of all races. You know, it's like, <laughs> look, we're all going to come together around the bathrobe, gentlemen. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's edgy. It, it makes the you think about wearers of the world unite. <laughs> <laughs> makes you wonder what I'm wearing underneath, if anything at all. Come on, ladies <laughs> or gentlemen or people of no gender at all. Here we go. Like, those kids were on another plug and they weren't drinking too much. It was so it, I felt so glad to be there and only a little bit embarrassed because it was felt that I used to wear a bathroom out to drinking parties when I was at university. I was that kind of the silly Billy. Um, but <laughs> but I used to get much more embarrassingly drunk than these kids. They're like confident enough to like hang out with a drink or two and not not get paralyzed. Very very cool situation. And then walking home at ten o'clock, come do the interview. You know, like walking blocks at night, seeing babies getting pushed around and prammed, not in gated communities. I do feel um, it, it amazes me how lucky I am to live where I live. Um, but I've got to work and my work takes me around and I've got to visit people, uh, including, you know, the, the family. Uh, and it is, it's, it's just, it's vivid to me that, that things are worse now than they were earlier in the year. And that things are, things are generally like not in a, in a very desperate space. And I think that the worry is one of the worries is that, as South Africa 
tries to find its feet in a it's been knocked down so hard you know it really the real the real amazing thing about the anger is is this fact that covid is is a fact about covid when when covid hit i remember talking with you with great enthusiasm about the thought that we might now have a unifying idea after apartheid of like, okay, this was awful and we're dealing with this and it is awful. It's a common enemy and and the bad issues can for years and years afterwards all get blamed on this and hana hana. Did that is not working. Guys, like mm-hmm. those ANC chaps to try and say, oh job COVID. Dude, I'm not seeing that working. I'm increasingly seeing the unification of South Africans around the following idea. Politicians are wicked. Mm. when they're not useless they're either like <laughs> this whole thing of politics it's just another way to eat the money it is not working nothing that's supposed to work works they steal there's potholes there's open sewerage in every like every little in in the free state every town i've been to there's a town and there's a township and the town and the sewerage next to the township has burst and has not been repaired it's like if you walk around there it just smells fetid it's rancid it's sickening and there is a and there is a great anger against the conditions that we are in and it's a kind of it's 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 almost there but it's not quite there and we can easily make the mistake either under the anc or under some other dispensation of of yes getting more conservative but doing so in a fashion that does not improve matters because it does not mm. the good sides of conservatism that are that are brought to bear it is the worst signs of conservatism it is the worst signs of well this is precisely why xenophobic you know antagonistic for, 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 for me one of the key points of conservatism is a in my conception of it, is is a is a reluctance to do anything too extreme that might like destabilize things, and that's why I used the word reactionary earlier, because I think that's really for me the troubling thing about what this this kind of conservative impulse that you're talking about has, is that it's it's not constrained by the a sort of temperance or moderate kind of view of the of of life in the world of saying maybe we should just slow things down a bit. It's saying no, we need to lash back we need to lash back hard at all of these things that have tormented us for so long um an understandable emotion but as you say not not very positive yeah i mean so i would say that the thing being conserved by by this vein of of political flow whatever it is Anger. I think the thing the, the thing the thing being conserved is 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 the idea that you shouldn't distinguish between rules that are designed to work uh, even though the things that they govern and the and the things that need to make sure that they work are both imperfect human beings uh and rules that are kind of designed to just benefit the powerful at the cost of the powerless like right, right. that is that there's a very um 
to to my mind very important moment that happens in societies again and again uh if it if it if at all um and i think this is something you sort of said about jonah goldberg like there's a kind of good side of society it's where you really do need every generation to sort of wake up do it its own way but there's a there's a sense of like ultimately do you want to be ruled by a ruler are you looking for a ruler are you looking for a human being to step into some apex position of power to make everything okay Mm. is that what you're after or are, are you after rules that are robust and 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 stand the best chance of upholding respect a kind of mutual respect and and i think that there there is a there's a version of conservatism which is like a version of of progressivism uh where there where where the, yes there are a lot of values that are kind of conservative there's a lot of like stuff we don't want to change about society that we think is good but what is the mechanism we want to achieve it it is a hero we are mm. out for a hero who is a champion a a a, a magnificent a ruler if you this ruler yeah. will make sure that we get what we need and in the community it's that guy who says mm. we guys come let's go take out those zamazamas he's our hero he will tell us what to do and if we he, he's telling us to take yeah, and this is life. this is core to 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 human i think human psychology this impulse yeah. for the hero uh you know every ancient mythological tale even modern mythological tales uh yeah. or, or political narratives have the story of the hero who steps out of whatever he was doing before he comes from outside he comes from somewhere else and he conquers all that stands before him and brings justice i mean you know the, the kind of the cult of trump is basically the idea right totally. is 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 that you know you need the strong figure the strong singular man who will order the universe as it should be the heracles the theseus the the beowulf uh who will come and and and, and free us all from the problems that come and yeah i i think in practice it tends to not work out so well because heroes are mythical for the, a reason or the preacher <laughs> the the preacher who comes and promises yes. you all the money and all the happiness you know and all the righteousness there it's a it's dude we we need we need <laughs> we need to make the radical step towards thinking about better rules dude this ENCA thing i'm trying to keep coming back to it but it's like i was there for an hour and a half two hours 20 people from all these political parties and whatever to have a debate about policy and the thing started with like okay we're going to have a debate about policy it turns out south africa's got great policies that they're, they're just not being well implemented <laughs> oh that, Dude, that cliche oh. other than me saying i want to change the rules so that instead of the government spending the money on education it gives a voucher to parents and then they decide what school they want to that is a change of the rules uh which changes the power balance which decentralizes it so that ordinary people have more power and central coordinators have less power other than that nobody talked about any rules at all they just talked about rulers the youth said we need to get rid of the aged and we need to rule the day and the, some of the aged said yes that's a good idea but you know you should keep me around to be your advisor and <laughs> and you know there's all the oldies except me <laughs> exactly exactly i'm and and this party said you know we should be in charge and that party said we should be in charge dude no one wants to talk about changing the rules it is a very radical thing to change the rules it it is a but we that is where we have to change uh sure. things i think if they're going to work and i and i think that if we are not careful like we can have 
fine. We can the 2024 can be a, a hodgepodge. You know, either coalition of of ANC and EFF or of opposition parties. You can have five years of messy, messy, uh, who knows what, and after that, a star can rise, a ruler, a hero, someone to bind the people together with the glue of great rhetoric and and good feelings and selfies, and uh, mm, and 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 people can put their trust in a person rather than in a principle. And it is a devastating risk in this country where mm. we have so much untapped potential for wickedness coming out of traditionally right-wing impulses. Like exactly. <laughs> in the in the in the recent day, like the media, the guardians of 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 truth and morality, they wouldn't know what smacked them on the nose because they've been so flippant pent up <laughs> about like every forum in solidarity suing Julius Malema for singing Kill the Boer and sort of saying that you're <laughs> violating, you can't, oh, oh, how culturally insensitive. Like these oaks, if the, if there's a genuine uh, kind of Le Front National uh, yes. of, of Marine Le Pen's father's nature kind of uh, dungus in South Africa, yes. I, I, I don't know that we have the resources. I, I a lot of people would have to muster and 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 realign to actually be able to, right, to figure it out, and do something useful about it. And and, and it maybe it seems like a quirky a quirky thing to flag, but dude, this is the thing about the summit. This That's is not, this I, I disagree completely uh, with with anyone who says that this is not quirky. This is a very real situation, and we're about to go, I think, through a period of profound political change. And even if there's an ANC-EFF coalition to bolster the support that that fairly shaky coalition is going to have, they're going to want to indulge in some of these impulses. And some of them, you know, like getting tough on criminals, like there's a certain thing that that's, that, that, that's very good about yes, that. Good but, you can, but you can also do it very badly. <laughs> um, and and I, I think that it's exactly right to flag that as a major potential problem for the future. And it's, mm. you know, we've been so left-wing for such a long time that you can see mm. a situation mm. where, you know, we snap back to a kind of... Um, we've been so the worst of the left-wing. Right, we exactly. We've the worst of the... Uh, that that everyone, everyone who steals gets their hand cut off without trial, you know? Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. Is, <laughs> we're going to do uh, uh, whippings and we're going to um, hang people for some kind of deviancy. It doesn't matter what it Dude, is. and one of the things that I heard from uh, from the, the, the rising star, you know, at school, people are learning about insects. Why are they learning about insects? It's not useful. Dude, there's a very good point there. Our education system is mm -hmm. letting people down. But you can get to the thing where, no, 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 no. You must, at school... No one must learn, uh, never mind the debate around Shakespeare or some or, or Saul Pleike's translation of Shakespeare, whatever. Yeah, yeah. What, no, no, no. No what, poetry, are, what are they doing learning no about literature in the first place? <laughs> no, 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 no. These, are, these peasants must work. They must learn yes. how to go into the mines. They must learn how to do it. it must, every well, person something. has their role. Yeah. Yes. Did, there, yeah. there is a, there is, I mean, and Mike Rowe, you know, what a wonderful guy. Anyway. So I think that there, you know, it's a tradition. It is, it, it just happens to be the case in the, in the left-right split that the kinds of people who tend to say, you know, let's emphasize Tivit colleges, let's emphasize welding and plumbing as, as useful and admirable jobs. 
uh, tend to fall on the right. And I think that they're right. I think that plumbers and welders are undervalued in South Africa. I think yes. that we should be doing and, more And university degrees are overvalued. But there is a way of doing this thing of overcompensating, <laughs> yes. of, of effectively uh, squashing intellectualism, of celebrating uh, illiteracy, of 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 really once again, uh, kind of to quote Rian Malan to 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 bring back the dober, you know, yes. the, in the Afrikaans churches, the most extreme conservatives back in the day. I think things have changed subsequently and are more interesting, was the doper. Uh, and it means the candle snuff. And Rian's thought was that somewhere in the 1800s, uh, <laughs> some people just decided that the enlightenment of Europe with its idea of universal human rights and and the values of sort of reading poems and, and men of feeling and respecting women and all this kind of stuff was just rubbish. Mm -hmm. And the enlightenment needed to be snuffed out by the candle snuff, by the doper. Um, and and that is a there is a through line to that political movement that transcends creed, class, and color, mm. and it is something to behold. It's something to beware, uh, and and I think as we sit in the cold, dry, hard, long winter, uh, it, it 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 is it's it's actually something that you kind of have to block both eyes to even miss because it's yes. so obviously out there. People yes. are. Oh, killing uh, and, and, and you can see you can see it in in the st stats right so we do the survey of people on race relations and we find that they're generally better than is kind of commonly perceived out there but if you do the same surveys asking what people think about foreigners or what people think about gays and this kind of thing you get yeah. a very different picture to what they think yeah. about race yeah. and therein lies i think the real potential for problems in the future yeah uh, I, 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 the one that shocked me the most was that one I saw. I can't remember me for the life of it. Who did it? I think it might have been Ipsos or someone, but they asked people, you know, what's the main cause of unemployment in the country? And something like about 50% said foreigners. Dude, it's mad. You know, I've been trying to help the Zimbabwean Immigration Federation. Someone, I got a phone call from this American journalist and she said, da -da -da -da, and we started the interview and I was like, hold on, you realize I don't, I'm not actually with the Zimbabwean Immigration Federation. I just mm. kind of try to help them a little. We've got like an informal. I'm trying to, for the sake of the English language, I took a yeah. sentence they had that had 500 words and I turned it into 12 sentences. <laughs> because there's a very <laughs> passionate person who wrote this who was very distressed. Right. And I just thought, let's make it readable. It's very important right. uh, things that they're saying there. Some of the points I maybe disagree with, some of the points are very good points and I'm trying to emphasize those, etc. Right. And she said, no, no, you're with his. You, uh, uh, okay, sorry. Okay, you, you're not their spokesperson, but you know the chairperson said this and that, and we carried on, and then we we kept having this back and forth, and I realized that she thought that I was so she was so convinced I was embedded in the ZDF <laughs> that she thought I was saying I'm not the spokesperson. I'm actually the chair. I'm actually the president, and the, chair, and the chairperson is calling me the spokesperson to try and do a power play here to try and demean me. <laughs> I was like, no, dude, I'm not at all involved. But but I want, but I and I and and look, I don't want to get into the legalese of this, but like, I do think it is a man. It's a crying shame. It is a crying shame uh, that that instead of dealing with the real problem of a porous border which needs proper policing and of a generally lawless country that needs to sort of be brought into line step by step. Um, you know, and there are practical solutions, like instead of like having elected sheriffs, 
Like we'd have, no. dude, if you had elected sheriffs in this country, it would be so blindingly obvious how conservative we are because the sheriffs. <laughs> but, but, but more than that, you know, just doing, just doing the basic things in the police force, like firing people who don't do their job, getting yeah. rid of the corrupt cops, following the rules that are already in yeah. place. But I do think uh, my sense is that you probably have to change one or two rules in order to bring that about. And probably, I think the yes, idea yeah. of the idea Although, of electing a sheriff or just electing someone whose job it is to go and fire police who don't do their job, basically. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, precisely. A, a, a community is a what is a community actually? It's the kind of thing that should be able to elect someone who fires a cop who doesn't do his job. But right. you know, so like if you if you if you if you if you don't do that, which our government doesn't want to do. What else are you going to do? Well, you 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 send this, you send this clear signal to society that if you get rid of 180,000 law-abiding Zimbabweans who got their visas under the special dispensation to do work here, if you get rid of them, things will be better. <laughs> what a, God damn it, man! I really, I really. This is like really, trying to battle underage drinking by raising the drinking age. Yeah. <laughs> It's like no, 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 no. There are there are two problems here. One, the border is porous, and two, Zimbabwe is a basket case, and three, there's no not enough jobs, right? By the way, because of expropriation without compensation, and at the same time as trying to kick these guys out who are actually doing a job here, you're also trying to push expropriation without compensation through the expropriation Hmm. bill. It's dude, it's it's very very upsetting, and I think that uh, it's 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 not it's not obviously left wing. In the in the silly reductive way that uh, maybe that doesn't matter very much, but it but it but but it's, in some level it's worth observing. Anyway, I think that we're we're good on time, eh? Yeah, yeah, we are. So uh, recommendations? Do you have any? <sighs> Can I go first? Because I kind of do have sure. one. Sure. Um, I want to recommend. It's. I mean, there's so many. I really want to recommend. Um, John Kane Berman's Between Two Fires. Uh, it's a wonderful book. I'd quite like to talk about it at some other stage when when I'm, when I feel a little bit less raw. Um, so I'm going to not have that be the written thing. Instead, for the link, if you're looking for something to listen to, I recommend Lord Sumption's uh speech about what happens when an immovable force meets an unstoppable object no that's not it uh an unstoppable <laughs> object meets an unstoppable force <laughs> <laughs> thank you nick it's been it's been a long week um so lord sumption who we've talked about quite a few times he's sort of become famous for being a kind of lockdown skeptic in the UK. But we talked about him before, the plague as a former Supreme Court Justice, Chief Justice of the United Kingdom, uh, who has very interesting uh, legal uh, views that he speaks about quite openly. In in this talk that I want to recommend, The Unstoppable Force and the Immovable Object, or however you want to put it, he addresses the question of how to interpret the law within the EU 
and basically points to the fact that according to the EU's Supreme Court, the EU's laws and constitution are the supreme framework for interpretation. That is the highest law. And that court is the highest court. But according to at least half a dozen by one count, a conservative count, but by a broader count, you know, almost every European country's constitutional courts or Supreme Courts, it's their own laws and their own courts that are supreme. And it's 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 sort of like this wonderful paradox. And often it works, right? Because it's like the EU says, no, we are supreme, and the and the and the and the constitutional court says we are supreme. But the constitutional courts, the the local law says, you know, our law is that law, is the EU law. So there's no contradiction. When there's no contradiction in the in the particulars of the law, there's no tension in the fact that the two sources of law both claim supremacy. But when there is a contradiction on the particulars of the law, then it becomes a nightmare uh, to figure out who actually comes first. And the German courts are the best because the German courts have said, no, we agree, Zolanga 1, Zolanga Ven, and Zolanga Ven 1, Zolanga 1, and Zolanga 2. Is it like, no, we, the European court and the European Union, that's the highest law of all, as long as they adhere to like basic requirements of logic, it's the highest law of all. And then <laughs> came the collapse of, the potential yeah, well, collapse of Greece. As, as, and as the holders of the imperial seat of the Second Holy Roman Empire, which is what the EU is, uh, exactly. I'm not surprised that the Germans are kind of okay with letting its courts be aligned <laughs> with theirs. But wait, <laughs> but wait, then, then, Greece is about to collapse, and the, and the ECB says, okay, we, we need to spread the risk by creating these new bonds and that'll sort of kick you to, to deal with the risk of a, of a Greek default. And then the new case is brought to the German High Court, Supreme Court, Constitutional Court, and they say, no, no, look, guys, if you're going to start talking about, <laughs> if you're going to start talking about the money, Oh, then it's a different story. <laughs> we can't let the Mediterranean people have their hands on the money. <laughs> the money is completely the money. It is a German. It's the Germans will decide where their taxes are spent, <laughs> and that is final. That is the beginning and the end of it. There is the no EU is supreme in all cases except money. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Literally. Because this is the core of our constitutional identity. <laughs> <laughs> and then the French, and then the French, I kid you not, their constitutional court gave this ruling where they were like, well, when it comes to labor law, uh, the, the EU courts are not supreme because this is the core of our constitutional identity. Yeah, and is, then the exactly. Italians basically said, like, when it comes to pasta, uh, <laughs> never mind. This is this is why this is why I say that I like the EU in theory, but not in practice, <laughs> because because it is a protectionist racket filled with the silliness. <laughs> Dude, but and Lord Sumption is so proper and so English and so, and he just slips in this the slyest little bits of wit in his sort of hour long, otherwise you know quite dry and technical and whatever. But I think ultimately very interesting. Look, it's interesting from the perspective that he wanted the UK to stay in the EU. 
but is ultimately some ultimately says like if you want to diss Brexit, you shouldn't do it by saying that there was no argument for it because in a way Brexit was just another way of saying the same thing. Like you can't let the European court and European law right. be supreme and 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 make like that's the framework within which the country and, exists. And when they when they surveyed Brits who voted for Brexit, I think the largest share said that that issue of supremacy yes. of yeah. was the thing that made up them. That was, that's that the was thing the that convinced thing. me but to go behind Brexit, by the way. Yeah. That's I mean I, I was a Remainer, but that was the thing that made me feel like I'm a Remainer because I because I'm afraid of World War Three. Um but like logically speaking, I can see the some arguments for 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 the other side. Anyway, so it's it's look, it's it's an interesting thing because he's conflicted like, you know, he what he wishes was he sort of wishes it all worked out, but he's sort of stuck with this logical impasse and he describes right. it very nicely. Right. And, um, so there's a dispassionate and at the same time occasionally witty thing. So there we go. Very good. Um, I'm going to recommend a piece on National Review about the core ideology behind um, National Review magazine, and that is uh, conservative fusionism, which is this idea that uh, the only time that libertarians and conservatives are wrong uh, is when they forget to emphasize the other one's key principle enough. So, so this kind of dichotomy between conservatives like virtue and libertarians like freedom. And mm. the idea of fusionism is that uh, coerced virtue is not virtue and freedom without virtue is not really uh, a proper freedom. Yeah, it's stupid. Mm. So the, the idea behind conservative fusionism is to say, how can we preserve a kind of moral character while at the same time enhancing human freedom? And this is mm. the central idea behind National Review and most of its writing. Um, wow. And so the guys here, the guy Dan McLaughlin in this article just goes a little bit into the people who kind of came up with the idea and some of its 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 history and stuff and why it's why he thinks it's still a good thing because there have been some people on the right who very strongly attacked fusionism, particularly the sort of so-called national conservatives or the NatCons. Um, who, are, who are kind of uh, flexing their muscles increasingly in the American right, mm. um, you know, embracing Viktor Orban and championing, championing the end of the free market dominance. Uh, and so this is basically a bit of a pushback. Dude, so oh, man, someone needs to tell me when the free market dominated. When, 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 <laughs> tell me when crony capitalism was overcome because I, I, I can't I know. Yeah, I, I can't remember who it was. It was, some, it was some, one of the key figures of the Natcons. Uh, who said that the real problem, I think it might have been even Tucker Carlson who said something along the lines of, you know, the real problem with Washington is it's been run by libertarians for 30 years or something. Some people are, just, <laughs> like, some people are, not, are not thinking necessarily at all. No. Well, the lips are moving, there's lip movement, and it sounds like English, but... <laughs> a little bit of unfit. indeed all right um and with that yeah we hope that uh you keep that fire that flame of liberty uh that flag of liberty flying that flame of 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 goodness burning within your hearts and uh yeah we'll see you next week yeah for the for the good grr, 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 grr.